0: Yes, Lord, you have no rival. King of kings and Lord of lords, all authority belongs to you. You are seated at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. You're waiting until every enemy is made a footstool for your feet. And you are subduing nations. You are establishing your rule and reign, the kingdom of heaven, over all the earth, not by the tip of a sword or a fist, but with your amazing, abundant, astounding love by the power of your spirit. Uh, We thank you, Jesus, for bringing heaven here, for opening up safe passage for us to come in through your death and resurrection. We thank you for moving us from a place of rebellion against you or um, apathy toward you uh, to life in you. We thank you that you're doing that this morning. We thank you for drawing us back to you to the well that actually does give life. We ask that you would fill us again, Lord, by your spirit, your presence, your joy, your peace, everything we need that we can only get from you, Lord God. We love you. We thank you for this time together. Amen. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I like that. All right, I like this cool day as well. Man, this is good. All right, so back to uh, that earthly topic, the fight, right? Who'd you fight with most when you were a kid? Uh, Me, I had two older sisters, but one was five years older, one was eight years older, and we kind of all did our own thing. You know, it was like, uh, yeah, not much fighting going on there. Uh, but growing up uh, in third grade, for some reason, I got in a fight regularly with this other kid. And I, I beat him regularly. I'm talking about a physical fight, like in the days when fighting was physical. And, and I have no idea why we fought. But it was, you know, that was third grade. And, uh, but the last fight uh, that I fought in my career was sixth grade, uh, not much longer. And a friend of mine kind of talked me into fighting this kid who was a foster kid, bad idea. And uh, we were in it, we were scrapping, and I got popped in the eye. And I literally saw stars. Like, I, there was like this woo, 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 star thing. And I was, remember getting hit, it hurt. And I remember thinking, you actually do see stars. That was the end of my fighting. I haven't had a physical fight really since then. A little nudging here and there on the soccer field. But, um, so the, I just gave you some examples of some illegitimate fights, right? Bad reasons to get into a fight. Now, there are some situations where fighting is legitimate, right? Now, if you're in the Ukraine, invaded by a hostile force, you got a legitimate fight, right? Uh, there's room for a just war theory. There's room for pacifists in the kingdom of God. God calls us to different roles, uh, but those justified fighting situations—they're rare. They're you know and they're extreme. Um, but under all these struggles that we're in—relational battles, physical battles, um, emotional battles, mental battles—behind all of that, there's a deeper, older battle going on. Another war. Behind the wars. And if you are in Christ, you're part of it. If you, are, if you have a heartbeat, you're part of it. We are born into this, uh, this fight. And it's God and his kingdom advancing, taking ground against a, a people, a, a spiritual structure that is hostile to God and rejects his rule and reign. And God is ruler and reigner by default because he's our creator. And we don't always like that. And there's a still part of us, even those of us who've turned to God, who still don't really like that authority thing. Um, But we are learning to come into that. And this war, this battle, it goes way back. It goes back to the garden. It goes back to Genesis 3. And it continues today. Listen to Paul giving us a clear picture of it in Ephesians 6.12. Our struggle, and that word paulae, it's, it's, it's uh, like Greco-Roman wrestling. It's physical. It's grappling. It's, it's cl- up close. Our struggle, the fight we're in, is not against flesh and blood. That's important to remember. Not against flesh and blood. It's not in this, this physical realm. But it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are in a spiritual battle. Whether you believe it or not. Whether you sense it or not. uh, You're in it. You're in it. You're in a fight. And the weapons that we who are in this kingdom with God Uh, we who are at peace with God, we who have received pardon from God, we who are part of God's kingdom, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. They're not fists or guns, but they are weapons of a different category. Weapons with divine power to break strongholds. These are spiritual, spiritual weapons. Prayer, the word of God, righteousness, doing the right thing, obeying God, coming under his rule and reign. Those are the weapons we fight with. We're in the kingdom of God. We're part of this kingdom. And we are in the fight. We join in the fight with these spiritual weapons as we follow the Lord. And here's the thing. And we forget this sometimes, Christians. We are not in a defensive war. We are not under siege just hoping that the food lasts, just hoping that we can hold out. That's not the battle we're in. God, our king, is the victor already. We are in an offensive war. We're in an offensive fight. Jesus in his kingdom, since Pentecost, we've been reading about that in Acts, has been plundering the kingdom of darkness. The power structure that is in hostility against God. God's pluring. He's unlocked the gate. He has the keys. He's just plundering. He's just gathering people out of that domain into his kingdom. He's done it in your life. He's doing it maybe this morning as we speak. He's doing it other places of the world. He is on the offensive. Jesus the king is taking ground every day. So, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Because we forget this in the struggles, right, that are on the surface. The Lord is telling us today be still, sons and daughters, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Rest in his peace. Rest in the victory he's already won. Rest. Be still. That's a good position to start in. Confidence in who we are, what side we're on, who we're with, what he's doing in the world. We lose sight of it, right? We get caught up in the, the physical surface scraps. And we forget, oh, wait. Could this be tied into the larger spiritual battle? Um, and it works a couple ways, right? The, the physical fights, the emotional fights, the relational fights, sometimes they're fed by this spiritual fight, and sometimes they feed that spiritual fight. Depending on how we respond to these things. The key point today. Is that you're in his kingdom. You're his sons and daughters. And God has called you. And is calling you every day. Into that fight. To join him in taking ground. Not just surviving. Not just trying to. You know manage. But to take ground. And let God advance his kingdom through you. All right. Let's go back to Pentecost. This is after Jesus' death and resurrection. He pours the Spirit of God out on his disciples. And this is him calling us into the fight. This is Jesus calling you and me, all who have been called by the Lord, into this fight. After Jesus' death and resurrection, he said this to his disciples. Acts 1.8 says, You will receive power. That's a spiritual weapon. He's talking about there. You'll receive power, the power you need, when the Holy Spirit, the, the personal presence of God, comes on you. And empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses. You will speak the words of Jesus about Jesus. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where Pentecost happened. And in all Judea, spreading out. Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And if you sometimes want to backtrack and be like, okay, what's the message, what we are witnessing to what, a good little shorthand version of the gospel was laid out by Jesus when he came in and he went public. He said, the time, listen, this is true today, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Heaven has broken in. The kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God has come near. So repent. Turn to it. Come into it. And believe the good news. Believe this good news. Live in this good news. Join in this thing. Time has come. King of God has come near. Repent believe the good news. It's Mark 115. Now since Pentecost in that year, after Jesus said that to the witnesses there, Jesus and his kingdom has been growing, gathering people from all nations, including you and me. Moving us from death spiritual death to life, spiritual life. Moving us from separation from God, far from God, to union with God, with God, close, intimate relationship with God. From darkness and lies and distortions and deceptions to the light of the truth. This is what he's doing. He's saving us into this stuff. Now, I mentioned this spiritual enemy we have that ancient serpent, Satan. Here's the deal. He knows he's defeated. Jesus' death and resurrection for you has released you and me from the authority of the enemy over you. We gave the enemy authority over us when we sinned. Humanity came under the rule and reign, the dominion of the enemy, the spiritual enemy of God. Jesus' death and resurrection breaks that authority over you. So you are released. You are now free in Christ. He's got nothing on you anymore. The enemy, an, he's an accuser. He's a liar. He's a condemner. And in Christ, all you have to do is say, nope, I'm pardoned. I'm forgiven. I'm accepted by God because of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. That's our spiritual power. That's our authority. That's our position now in the kingdom of God. Now, the enemy knows he's, he's defeated. He knows his time is short, and he's still trying everything. He's using every last ounce of energy and power to continue to inspire persecution against God and his people the kingdom, inspire apathy, inspire sin, inspire fear in us to kind of sideline us, inspire false teaching that confuses us. But even in that, the kingdom of God continues to advance. Continues to advance. He's winning. He's going to keep winning. Until he's like, the time of gathering is done. The last day, Jesus returns, completes the job. That's still ahead of us. Now let's pick it up in Acts chapter 8. That's the message series we're in. More of the Lord. We're looking at Acts. Acts chapter 8. To see this fight, this battle I've been talking to you about, from a couple different angles... And how God calls us to join this fight. How you and me can join this good fight, this noble fight of God's kingdom advancing and saving and gathering people in. Alright, so uh, Acts chapter 8, we're still uh, about within a year, plus or minus, uh, of Pentecost, Jesus' death and resurrection. So we're not too far out from that big event. And uh, this guy Stephen, who is a disciple of Jesus, he wasn't one of the twelve. That he was a disciple filled with the Spirit. He was proclaiming the message about Jesus. He was arrested by the religious leaders, the same ones that put Jesus to death. He was arrested, he was tried, and they killed him. Uh, There wasn't really a legit trial there. They killed Stephen. uh, I think he's, yeah, he's the first one killed for proclaiming the message about Jesus. All right, now after the arrest and killing of Stephen, we read this Acts chapter 1. It gets worse. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church. This this new, this baby church thing. It's still small, just a few thousand. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And that's the epicenter of this thing. And all all the, I'm sorry, all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. They left. They left to get away from the heat of this persecution. All right, godly, oh, they were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned for him. But Saul, we'll read more about him later, Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them into prison. The enemy's trying to shut this thing down, trying to snuff it out, smother it. Sounds bad. Sounds bad. And if you're in that, I imagine the question arises, and maybe you can relate to this when things come down, when things are hard. God, why do you allow that? Why are you allowing this? All the in heaven and earth belongs to you. Why are you allowing this persecution to come? On the surface of things, it looks like a defeat for the church. That's just on the surface. Verse 4. Those who had been scattered because of the persecution, what'd they do? They preached the word, the good news message about Jesus and his kingdom. They preached the word wherever they went. Oh, interesting, right? Philip, not one of the apostles, but one, not one of the twelve, but like Stephen, another disciple of Jesus. Philip, because of this, went down to a city in Samaria. Remember, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. <laughs> Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there, proclaimed Jesus there. Again, shorthand, Proclaimed that the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Now, Samaria, what do you know about Samaria. a warm, welcoming, friendly place for uh, Jews. Now, it's in, it's in Israel. It's in the boundaries of Israel. But there is a long history of bad blood between the Samaritans and the Jews. They, they have a shared history, but it's become a hostile history. There's tension. There's fighting. But this persecution pushes the disciples out with the message and this guy Philip goes to Samaria. He goes in to tell these enemies, surface level enemies, about the Messiah, the king who has come to bring people into his kingdom. It didn't stop him. All right, verse 6. When the crowds heard Philip, the Samaritan crowds heard Philip, but, you know, talking about the message of the kingdom... And saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits, demons, came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. The kingdom of God had come near in word and in deed. God, as he often does, with the message of the kingdom, the good news message of the kingdom, God gives signs, supernatural signs, impossible things that only he can do to confirm the truth of the word, his message, especially at these key points. This is an entry into Samaria. God empowers these disciples and their word to be matched with signs that demonstrated The kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God has broken in. And what happens when the rule and reign of God breaks in? What do we see? Healing. Restoration. Renewal. Release from spiritual oppression. That's what it looks like when the kingdom of God comes in. It's the best. I love, I love when God breaks in when God's presence shines, displays itself, when you feel it, when you know it, those are the best. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. We want that. We want that, Lord. Now, a key truth that we see in this scene of Samaria is your first fill-in. Listen to this. God is saving. God is working. God is saving and uniting all kinds of people into his kingdom, people who are former enemies, political enemies, ethnic enemies, historical enemies. God is saving out of the dominion of darkness, into his kingdom, uniting us to himself and thereby to one another, people that we might not relate to or connect with otherwise. That's what God's doing in the world. Satan's goal, the enemy's goal, to lie, to deceive, to stir up, to accuse, to condemn, to blame. to He's that voice of sharp criticism. He uses us to divide people, to separate people. He tempts us to sin. Sin breaks relationship. He breaks us apart. He's doing a great job of it, isn't he? Just read your news scroll. Wow, he is active. We don't always see the other side of what God's doing. But Satan's losing because God is active in the world, uniting people like us, uniting people all over the world into his kingdom. All right. That's one look at the fight. He's bringing union and peace between former enemies. Let's look at it at another angle, another level. Acts chapter 8, continuing there, verse 9. Now, for some time, they're still in Samaria. Sometime a man named Simon had practiced sorcery. I don't think of Gandalf necessarily. The word is magic, and it's not like David Copperfield's sleight of hand stuff. Right, this is occult magic. This is doing things that traffic in the demonic, that access other spiritual powers, these hostile spiritual powers, to do things that, that amaze. Um, so for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city, in Samaria, and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, right? The tension came to him. And all the people, both high and low in that area, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man, Simon, is rightly called, listen to this, the great power of God. What do we have here? A counterfeit. A counterfeit a false god, teaching a false religion, accessing powers that are illicit, not allowed. All right, they followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. Now, that's maybe to you sounds like a long time ago sort of thing, Um, but this is still happening today. Now, I remember really seeing it up close and clearly when Becky and I were in India, you know, there's there's a lot of idolatry there. There's a lot of worshiping of other gods and goddesses, and behind a lot of those gods and goddesses are demons. God's revealed that clearly to us, and you can see it and feel it when you go to some places there. Uh, you'll find this occult, this this uh, um, dialing into the demonic around ancestor worship in Asia, in idolatry in South America. Uh, in a variety of forms in Africa. Now, in Western countries, uh, it's present and it's growing. It's actually becoming more mainstream. It's growing because as these nations where the gospel had taken root, as as people in these nations turn away from God, they fill the vacuum with something else. We're made to be in union with God. We're made to have that spiritual filling. And if we're not going to get it from God, we will go other places. And there is, there are real spiritual powers out there to access. So you've got to be discerning. Uh, you've got to be aware. I think it's happening here. People are turning to other spiritual powers. They don't know what they're dealing with. Some do know what they're dealing with. All right, so Simon is in this as well. He's a big deal. And into that setting into that structure that's happening in Samaria with Simon, Philip came and preached the good news about Jesus and his kingdom. Let's see what happens when these two powers meet. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, Astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When Jesus shows up, when the kingdom of God breaks in, a greater power has broken in. Something greater. Even Simon recognized it. Whoa, this power is greater than the things I've been toying with. It's a good thing to remember. We're in a battle, but we are united to a greater power. Jesus is greater than all other spiritual forces. They're there. They're real. And Jesus plundering the kingdom of darkness, gathering people into his kingdom. The greater power has come. So we can rest in that. Be still and know that I am God, the Lord says. Next, fill in. There are other spiritual powers. Be discerning. Be wise. Be sensitive to this. Don't get duped, don't get lured into these things. There's lots of entrances into that sort of thing. There are other spiritual powers. Christ's power is greater. The power of God is greater. Now, if you are in Jesus, if you're united with him, listen to this, you are right now seated with Christ in the heavenly realm, spiritually. That's your spiritual position you share because he has delegated spiritual authority to you. You are in a standing, you're in a position higher than other spiritual powers. So if you feel some of that static, if you're you're feeling some oppression, you don't know what the source is, you think it might be spiritual, simple thing to do. In the name and authority of Jesus Christ, I command you evil spirits to get away from me. Simple, with the word. Just like Jesus did it. He's brought you into that position. In the name and authority of Jesus Christ, be gone, get out, leave me alone. Do it, practice it. Say it out loud. There's power in God's word in his name. Remember that as you get into some sticky situations, sometimes because of your own failures, or you just end up, you're, you're watching some movie. You're, watch, you're reading something. You're in some situation. All of a sudden, you feel that. That's the Holy Spirit helping you recognize darkness and reminding you to stand in his authority. All right, so we got the spiritual battle raging on, right? We looked at that ethnic, historical battle. Now we're in the spiritual battle. Let's learn how, through the example of Philip, to join this fight. To not only stand our ground, but actually to take ground like Philip did in this place. All right, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, quick aside, angel of the Lord. Angel is a spiritual servant, messenger of God, it's a spiritual being aligned with God. Demons are angels that have rebelled against God. All right, simple two categories. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, Philip started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kondike, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet, the word of God, Hebrew scriptures. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. All right, so this Ethiopian guy, um, he's a servant for a queen. He's a big deal. He's in a chariot. He'd just come back from Jerusalem where he worshipped. Something about uh, this Jewish God had drawn him. Uh, He's worshipping not as a Jew but as an outsider. He might worship other gods, which was very common back then, but he's also honoring this God of the Jews, um, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. So he's coming back from that, and he's reading Isaiah, the Jewish prophet. I think it's safe to say God is working on this guy. God is at work drawing this guy into his kingdom. Let's see how it plays out. So God sends a message to Philip through an angel. Get on the road, running from Jerusalem to Gaza. That's all he's told. Go get on that road. You know, Philip doesn't say, well, wait, what? Why? When? When? How long? Dude just goes, right? He obeyed. He he allowed himself to be led by the Holy Spirit. He's like, yes, okay, I'm willing, I'm ready. He submits to the Spirit of God. Philip doesn't know why he's there, what he's going to do. He just obeys. And the Holy Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. (laughs) So, you know, if that's me, I'm like, You know, I'm not sure really, but look at verse 30. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. Philip's a great example for us. He ran up. He obeys quickly. Not, you know, do I have to go now? Or I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. Or what will they say? Or no, Philip obeys quickly. Good example for us. And when he gets to the chariot, listen. Philip ran up to the chariot. Heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Ding, ding, ding. And Philip knows what to do next. He knows what to do from there. Philip knows the passage that this guy's reading out loud. Philip engages the Ethiopian. Do you understand what you're reading? He asks him a question. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asks. And this Ethiopian guy, much like many of us, right, how can I? He said, unless somebody explains it to me. I, I, I don't understand this. It's hard. Alright, he's humble. The Ethiopian guy. He asked questions. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. God's at work. God's doing something. Verse 32. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. Quote. It's Isaiah 53. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from, taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about? Himself or somebody else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. That message is a prophecy about the Messiah, the king that God would send. It's a prophecy about Jesus, written 700 years before Jesus came. God is working in the world. He's taking ground. That's something for us to remember as we go out from here. God is working all around you and me. Next fill-in, calling people into his kingdom. Lots of layers going on in that interaction with uh, Philip and the Ethiopian guy. The Spirit of God prompted the Ethiopian to read that specific passage at that specific time that referred to Jesus. 700 years before their conversation, the Spirit of God inspired Isaiah to write that prophecy, and he did. The Spirit of God led Philip to that chariot at that moment. And this is unsaid, but the Spirit of God helped the Ethiopian understand and believe the good news about Jesus. This Ethiopian guy becomes one of the first followers of Christ in Africa. And the Ethiopian church today traces its history back to this guy. God is at work all around us. He's advancing his kingdom. He's doing it. He'll do it with or without you. But if you want to join in, if you want to be used by God to take ground with him, then let's look at Philip's example. A few things. Number one... Next fill in. Philip was ready and willing. He was ready. He knew the scripture. He knew the passage. He was ready and willing. The word of God came to him. He responded quickly, he didn't miss the opportunity. I see this, and the question raised for me, I raise it to you, is Are you? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you living ready? Are you ready and willing to join the work that God's doing all around you? If you want to be ready, if you want to be more ready, number one, key thing, you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God's work is prompted, is moved by the Holy Spirit in his followers. In his sons and daughters. Is the Spirit of God in you? This is not in your bulletin, but listen to Acts 8 14 through 17. It's up here. Uh, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the Word of God, they sent Peter and John from Jerusalem to Samaria. All right, check it out, because this is big. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Once a while, I've met a believer, known about God, maybe grew up in the church, and they, they listen to this and they're like, I'm not sure if I have the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure. And I want to invite you today, if you're unsure... Do I have the Holy Spirit? Have I been filled with the Holy Spirit? To receive prayer today. We're going to pray together as a group, but I want you to come up and don't miss this chance. Don't miss this opportunity, this moment, to have somebody filled with the Holy Spirit pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit. It's about asking. It's it's weird how he does it, but this is how he does it. It's not the only way he does it. Sometimes the message about God is being preached and the Holy Spirit just falls on people. God, you can't put him in a box. He does it a lot of different ways. But if you're just wondering, if you're unsure, or maybe you've just felt dry for a long time, and you're wondering, man, is the Spirit of God, I hear about the Spirit of God in people, is that me? Get prayer. Ask, seek, knock. The Father is ready, willing to give you more of the Holy Spirit might be for the first time, it might just be more of the Holy Spirit. So let's go off on that. Philip's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's active, he's ready, he's willing, and he's sensitive to the Spirit. So how do we get into that position? Maybe you're in that position today. You're, you're like, game on, I'm ready, send me in. Or maybe you're like, ah, how do I get back in shape for action? Next thing, next fill in, cleanse your heart. Cleanse your heart. Cleanse your heart. What garbage has been collecting in your heart, in your imagination, in your mind, in your what bitterness has taken root? What unforgiveness? What what sin, what sinful thoughts, what temptation, what lustful thought, what imaginations have taken root in your heart? What have you let in this past week? What garbage have you let collect? It's, it's all around us, man. You don't have to go far to have garbage bon- knocking on the door of your heart, right? So, it's a good time to regroup. Cleanse your heart. Lord Jesus, forgive me for XYZ. I take it out, I turn it off, I move away from it, I repent. Get it out. Don't give the enemy access to throw his garbage into your heart. Close off those access points, right? Be be discerning, be wise. The battle's on, man. He wants to sideline you, this enemy of yours. He wants to tempt you, he wants to accuse you, he wants to just make you uh, ineffective for God's kingdom. Get your heart cleansed, clean your heart. Here's a little trick, a little pro tip for you, Kyle. He was looking at me. This passage is really helpful. Philippians 4.8. If you just kind of feel, uh, I just, where was I? Oh, I'm thinking about these things that aren't good. I want to get this out. This helps me. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Get that stuff in you. All right? It's just a good way to do battle as you go through the day and the garbage tries to collect. Philippians 4.8. If you want to be in the work that God is doing in the world, if you want to join in, if you want to be effective, you want to be fruitful, be filled with the Holy Spirit, number one. Number two, cleanse your heart. Number three, obey the Spirit. Obey Him. Philip was quick to obey. Didn't question it, didn't second guess it, didn't analyze it, didn't put the Spirit off. If you resist the Spirit, if you ignore Him, if you resist Him, how could He use you? He can't use you. You're sidelined. Be ready. Be obedient. Next fill in. I just told you. Be ready. Alright? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Next one, be ready. This is number two. Be ready. How do you be ready? How do you stay ready? Well, think about, I was never in the military, but, you know, I've seen a lot of movies. So, you know, these guys, these Marines, these guys who are called to action, these special forces, they're ready. They're training all the time. They're staying fit. You know? It's a lot of work. You and I are in a spiritual battle. If you want God to take ground... Through you, if you want him to take ground in your life, in your relationships, in your family, in your household, be ready. Next line, stay spiritually fit. Spiritually fit. How do we do that? You know the answer. It's the same old answer. Be in his word. Right? Devote yourself to the apostles' teaching, to the to the Bible, to the word of God. Devote yourself to the apostles' pe- treat excuse me, teaching, to fellowship, you're here, we're doing it, to the breaking of bread, we did it last week, communion, or eating together, and to prayer. That's how you stay ready. That's how you stay spiritually fit. Useful, ready for action with God. Because he's working all around you. He wants you to join in. He's got appointments for you. Let's join in the work that he wants to do in your life and in the world. And we stand up, pray together, call on God, ask him to get us ready. Thank you, Lord, first of all, for opening our eyes to uh, what is real, what is happening uh, in this world, Lord God. We thank you for rescuing us from a bad place, Lord bringing us into your kingdom, putting your spirit in us, cleansing us by your your sacrifice. We ask, Lord, now that you would get us back in shape with you to be ready, to be willing for that good work that you've given us, for the good work that you want to give us tonight, on Tuesday, on Friday. Lord, help us live ready Help us reset. Help us do business. Help us not put this this aside, but help us, give us that urgency, Lord God, as well. Help us not be defeated, not lose ground, but gain ground, Lord. We want you to gain ground in us, in our hearts, in our lives, our minds, our behaviors, We want you to gain ground for your kingdom, that enduring kingdom, through us, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us, do business with us. Show us that next step you're calling each of us to take this morning. Show us, Lord. Help us receive it, Lord. Help us to do it. Help us to obey what you're showing us, Lord God.